Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. This week we're going to finish walking through the book of 1 John. Um, And John is going to end his letter kind of reiterating a lot of the same things that he started with, things that we've been talking about all week long. Uh, But I wanted to share, because one of the things that we talked about a couple of weeks ago is how John takes uh, these big theological statements and breaks them down into like bite-sized, more palatable, for lack of a better term, um, words that are easier for us to digest. We said theology is the study of the nature of God and his attributes. And there are whole schools and denominations and everything built around theological understandings of interpreting things a certain way and, and all of that. But John is going to start, uh, if you want to turn to 1 John chapter 5, John is going to start chapter 5. And again, when, when, when he wrote this, he didn't have it broken down by chapters. He was just building and communicating. Uh, but he's going to start chapter 5 with a very basic theological understanding uh, that is kind of crucial to Christianity as a whole. Uh, and I'm going to put all the verses up here on screen because I'm going to jump through really quick. Uh, in John chapter 5, verse 1, he says this, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. So he's again reiterating, you know, if we're all children of God, we're supposed to love one another. Something he's been saying throughout the entire book of First John. But he starts by saying, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. This is the whole theology uh, around which salvation and being born again is based, right? He says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, that word Christ uh, is the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah, which means the one whom God was going to send, who was going to redeem all of humanity, all of mankind. So he's saying everyone who believes that, when you put your faith in what uh, Jesus Christ did in his redemption of humanity through his death, burial, and resurrection, when you step across the line of faith and believe that, you are what's called born again. That's where we get that phrase from, born again. Right? And he says that you're born of God, and then everyone who loves the Father, because if we're all born of God, then we all should love God, loves his child as well. That means if, if I'm a Christian and I put my faith in God, uh, then I become born again, and I've got to love Joe. If Joe's a Christian, Joe's got to love Karen, Karen's got to love Bill and Melissa, Melissa's got to love Beth, on and on and on, because we're, we're family now. We're, we're connected. We're all children of God. Then he goes on, excuse me, goes on, he says this. Uh, he talks about the commands of God not being burdensome, and then he says, everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, this doesn't mean that because we're Christians, we're not going to be hit with all the things that the world has going on, Right? But we will be able to overcome them because of our faith. Like, I can still get sick, right? I, I can still lose my job. I talked about plenty of times where I lost a job where I was making six figures and then went down to making $300 every other week. 
But the fact is that we don't have to succumb to those circumstances and I don't have to go into a spiral into a fit of depression and anger that I take out on my family because I'm facing those circumstances. Instead, I have a God who will help me overcome those circumstances. Right? And that's one of the benefits uh, of being a Christian is we don't have, you know, to worry about uh, we still can, you know, deal with the same things, car accidents, you know, the crazy price of inflation on food and everything else. We got to deal with it just like the rest of the world. But we have a God who can help give us peace and who will provide for us so that we can overcome all of these things. Then he says this. He says, this is the one, and I'm going to spend some time explaining this. He says, this is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He didn't come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. And there are some people that think that this is saying that, hey, Jesus didn't really become like God until his baptism, and that's what it means by the water and the blood. And that's not what that means. Because it's speaking about the testimony. Like Jesus was able to testify that he was God, that he could overcome by these three things. And I'm going to do it in the order order in which it occurred rather than the order in which we just read. The first it talks about is the water. And it's not saying that, hey, he suddenly became more powerful or whatever. No, he was always fully God and fully man. But what it is saying is that at his his, uh, baptism, that there was this testimony from God of who he is. Uh, And in Matthew chapter 3, it says this, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This was God testifying to who Jesus was. Because that's what John was referring to, the testimony. And then he talks about that another testimony is the blood. And when it says the blood, it means the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we talked a couple of weeks ago about how uh, his blood purifies us. John said, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Because the the penalty for sin was death, which we all should have died because we were all guilty of sin. But because Jesus, who was an eternal God shed his blood for us, it was shed for me, it was shed for you, it was shed for your great, 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 great grandparents, and it'll be shed, it was shed for your great, 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 great grandchildren who don't even exist yet. Because he was able to purify all humanity. Now, here's the other thing. He adds, but there's also this testimony from the Holy Spirit. And we may look back and say, well, I, I don't understand, or yeah, I can read about his water baptism, but I wasn't there. I don't know if that's true. I can read about uh, how he died for our sins, but I wasn't there. I don't know if that's true. But when we step across the line of faith, we get a living witness that we talked about before through the Holy Spirit. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and says, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, when you stepped across the line of faith and believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, 
with a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. So when you step across the line of faith, God says, hey, I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I don't want there to be any doubt in your mind, that you are now a child of God. So he puts his Holy Spirit in you, and now you have a living testimony that, yeah, uh, that's why I've said this before, no one can ever show me or convince or give me anything that says that God doesn't exist because I have the spirit of the living God in me, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. So he says, hey, you have these, this testimony, uh, the blood, the water, the spirit, that testifies that God is able to help overcome. And any time that you're dealing with a struggle, any time that you're dealing with the stuff the world throws at us, we have these three that can help us, remind us, encourage us that, hey, you know what? I got a God who's bigger than what I'm going through. Okay? Uh, Then he adds this. He says, whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony God has given us eternal life, and his life is in his son. And he's writing this again, because again, there were people who were saying that, hey, Jesus was not God in the flesh, and that's not the true way to follow God. That's not what God intended, that we follow Jesus. And John is saying, yeah, they're a liar. Right? The theological term for what they're saying, baloney. Not true. He says, this is the truth. And you have a living testimony in you, no matter who you talk to, no matter who tries to tell you that Jesus isn't real, right? And I'm going to finish with these verses. I put them up in the Amplified because they're, 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 they just need to be expounded on. He ends with this. Now, he, he talked a little bit about, you know, uh, in between the past, the verses that we didn't go to about how the fact that based on everything he said, that we should, yeah, continue to love one another. He said that throughout his book. Based on everything he said, we should continue to refute the false teachings of people. Based on everything we said, we should be there for one another and help one another when we are struggling in our sins, right? Not condemnation, but lifting up and supporting one another and being there for one another. And then he says this, we know positively that we are of God. And the whole world around us is under the power of the evil one. And I've heard people say, no, this is, this is God's plan. This is God's will. If you turn on the news and you see uh, people that are starving, children that are abused, people that were shot, killed, stabbed, and whatever else, uh, car crash, all this stuff, that's not God's will for humanity. John acknowledges, hey, we, can, we, we are of God, but the whole world, it's under the power of the evil one. That's why we're here. Not to change the world, but to share the gospel with people so that they can be released from under his power, step across the line of faith, and put their faith and trust in God and be a part of his kingdom, be a part of his family, and experience kind of all the things that you guys were talking about earlier, love and affection and being accepted and welcomed and loved on. Then he goes and he says this, We have seen and we know, positively we know, that the Son of God has actually come to this world and has given us understanding and insight progressively to perceive, recognize, and come to know better and more clearly Him who is true. 
We know, we as Christians, if you stepped across the line of faith, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is real. And that we are a part of the fellowship, the body of Christ. But then he ends this, and I put it in Amplified for a reason. The last thing he puts up, in most versions it says, little ones, keep yourselves from idols. Right? That, that, that's the way it ends, and it, and it kind of really doesn't explain why. So I put it up in the Amplified because it helps explain why. Based on everything that John has said, that yes, we know Jesus is real, that we have a living testimony, that we know the whole world is under the power of the evil one, that there are false teachers out there trying to move us uh, to believe in them instead of put our faith in Christ, and that we should be loving one another because we're family. He says, based on that, keep yourselves from idols, from false gods, from anything and everything that would occupy the place in your heart due to God, from any sort of substitute for him that would take place in your life. He says, based on everything that we know, everything that he's just talked about, that, that God is real, that we know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, that he sent his son Jesus to include him as a part of our family, that there are people out there trying to, you know, persuade us and make us believe that Jesus isn't real. Based on all of that, he said, but if we know for, for a fact that we're part of God's family, why would we worship anything else? And most people, most Christians will say, well, you know what? The fact is, we don't. We don't. We don't worship anything else. But one of the biggest parts of theology, of the study and nature of God, is the fact that when God revealed himself to, you know, the Israelites, one of the first things he said is, I am the Lord your God. You will have no other gods before me. That, that was like step one. That's like, hello, my name is Floyd. He's like, hello, I'm God, worship no one else. And some people say, well, that's why I don't like Christianity, because there's this big jealous God who's on like an ego kick. But I'm like, if I created the entire universe and then sent my son to die so that you could be a part of my family, would I be happy if you created a little piece of wood, put it on your table, and bowed down to that? Instead of acknowledging me, no, I wouldn't be happy either. And so God asks us, one of the biggest things of his theological nature is to worship him and worship him alone. And John says, based on everything I've said, don't worship anything else. But here's what most Christians do, right? We carry around with us uh, a bag of worship. I don't know how many of you guys actually have heard of Dungeons and Dragons. Anyone? Raise your hand. No? no. Okay, a couple. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so... In Dungeons and Dragons, there's this thing called a bag of holding, right? What the bag of holding is, it's a bag that one of the members of the campaign, just let me geek out for a minute, just bear with me. One of the members of the campaign will carry, and then all of the stuff that you collect during your campaign, you put in the bag of holding. But the bag of holding is actually much bigger than how it appears. So it's a bag about this size you wear on your back, but you could literally put all of the furniture in this room into the bag because it's bigger on the inside. It's a, it's a game. It's not real. Don't judge me. Okay, so here's, here's what most of us do. We carry around, instead of a bag of holding, we carry around a bag of worship. All of us do. We have pulled up all these things that we worship instead of God. For example, a lot of us worship, like, technology, right? Now, I, I, I looked at this last week, and I didn't put it up on the slide because I was a little bit embarrassed. Because um, my phone will tell me how much time I've spent per day 
and I'll just show it to you quick because I don't want you guys to see it because it's embarrassing. How much time I spent per day like on my phone? And it's hours per day. It is down 28% from last week, so that's good. Thank you, Jesus. But when I look at that, and then I think, how much time did I actually spend with God this week? And I'm going to be 100% honest. Nowhere near as much time as I spent on my phone. And most of us, when I say us, not just people in this room, those of us who call ourselves Christian, those of us who, like John said, we know for a 100% fact. He's not even talking to the people that don't know God. He's talking to those of us that do. And those of us that do, that are filled with his spirit, will still spend more time with technology and on our phones than we do with God. So there are some people who worship that way. There's also some people who worship, oh, and this is a good one, um, money, Right? A lot of, and this is not real, because uh, that's not how we roll. Uh, but money, a lot of us worship money. And this, this is reality. Everything John just said, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is real. We have God's spirit in us. We know that God created the heavens and the earth and the universe. But our focus is, I have to go pursue and make enough money to survive. So I can trust God to keep the universe working but I can't trust him enough to provide for me. So I've got to go and do my 60, 70, 80 hours a week so I can make enough money. Because a lot of us, we worship money. And then there's the people, there are the people who worship, yeah, don't judge me for this either, um, who worship entertainment, right? Whether it be like me, I do a lot of comic books. Whether it be the people who watch Netflix. Whether it be the people who follow after celebrities, and it's amazing to me, uh, I just saw a video where someone was talking about, and I'm not hating on Beyonce, but she just came out with a song called Church Girls, where she's encouraging church girls to do non-church things. And so many Christian girls are like, yay, Beyonce. And I'm like, what happened to yay, God? Beyonce didn't create you. Beyonce doesn't know your name. Beyonce doesn't care about you. But yet God sent his son to die for you. But most of us, we, will, we care more about what celebrities say or we care more about entertainment, right, than we do about God. And yes, I spend a lot of time, like I just spent yesterday binging a Netflix series. It was beautiful outside. I sat in front of the TV binging a Netflix series. But I also spend time digging through God's word spend time in prayer. And let me say this, and I'm not trying to justify it, but let me say this. I do, and this, I had to do this years ago. And I asked some other pastors, and they do the same thing. Um, the only time, because we tell you this, right? Pastors say the only, time you sh- the only time you open your Bible should not be just on Sunday, right? You should open it when you're at home. Yet when I asked some other pastors, I was like, how much time do you spend studying the Bible apart from the Sunday celebration? Like, do you spend, how much time do you spend reading other passages that have nothing to do with what you're going to preach on Sunday? And about half said, that's the only time I spend. And my question was, then how is what you're doing different than what you're telling your people? Because you're telling them they should spend more time than just on Sunday, but the only time you're spending is related to Sunday. So myself and some other pastors, we're like, oh, we've got, we've got to change that and started just daily, regularly starting our day in the Word of God, in prayer, committing our time to Him. And I'm not judging people that watch TV. I'm not judging people that play D&D. 
Um, and then there's also the people that worship, and we, a lot of us do this, that worship self, right? We care more about ourself and the way that we look and the way that... Yes, uh, follow me on Instagram. The way that we look and the way that we appear to others, that's more important. And some people, like that is their life, worshiping self. And it's... Uh, I thought there was something in my teeth. More important, worshiping self than spending time worshiping God. All of these things, and this is why it is so important, the theology of God and what, what John put forth, the fact that, hey, based on the fact that we know the truth, based on the fact that we understand and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is real, based on the fact that we, we have the living spirit of God inside of us, then yeah, there should be nothing, absolutely nothing on the planet more important than spending time with God. Whether it be morning, whether it be afternoon, whether it be in the evening, whether it be on your way to work, nothing should be more important than spending time with God. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand as the band comes up and uh, I want to pray and hope I didn't break my mirror. God, we realize that we live in a world that is inundated with everything we just talked about, technology, uh, inundated with uh, the words, whether it be the tweets or the posts or whatever of celebrities, inundated with the desire and, and, and the, the, what we're told is the need to earn more and to make more and to just get as much money as we can. But God, we also know the truth that you alone are God. That you can care for us. That you sent your son to die for us. And that as John said, that you, you alone, you alone created the, the whole universe and, and allow us to be a part of your kingdom because of your love for us. And our prayer today, God, is that if we who are called by your name and filled with your spirit, if we truly believe that, that we would let absolutely nothing take precedence over spending time with you. If we have to carve out a little bit of time from work, carve out a little bit of time from our family, carve out a little bit of time from our hobbies. We pray that we would focus our time and our energy on spending some time with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please leave a comment on our webpage, crossroadsofjeffersonhills.com, or our Facebook page. You can also join our Sunday celebration every Sunday at 1037 a.m. We look forward to hearing from you online or in person. Thank you and God bless.